G'day punters, welcome to the deep dive. We're going to be doing mostly just the Q&A version today. If you want a full recap of what happened at, was it Flemington Dickens? I didn't even see a race. Uh, it's Caulfield, Peter. Caulfield. If you want a full recap of Caulfield, head to RSN Central, get the podcast with Jay Dickens and G Hall, Racing Rewind. You'll get a full recap of what happened there on Saturday. But in the meantime... Let's start with what was the main event at Caulfield. The intern's been working alongside Shane Gurlio to come up with the top five Jamie Carr moments on the Twittersphere. Curls, would you like to take it away? What a great weekend to be an Australian slash Italian slash Melbourne supporter slash Jamie Carr enthusiast. Um, I've just been on a, just a complete bender of celebration here. Um, and let's not forget the absolute fill-up that I delivered on Saturday. <laughs> Um, just take this opportunity to thank everybody involved, mainly myself. <laughs> Fuck, it was a fill-up. Um, okay, let's... Uh, yeah, so this is obviously... Um, obviously, Jamie wrote 100 winners. Hang on. 100, 100 Metropolitan winners in a season, which is a, a first time in Victoria. Stellar effort. Um, so I'm not taking, not focusing on what happened on the track. I'd rather focus what happened off the track and some of the narrative around it because we do enjoy the hashtag narrative of the hashtag great game. So I had intern to uh, teed up to scroll Twitter during the day and find us the best five tweets that we can talk about on the show and um, and discuss the certain narrative angles. Um, so what I'm going to do is try really hard here to not stuff this up um, and share my screen. Hope this all works. Um, so we're going to start with a bit of fan stuff. Um, so here's a couple of fans that have um, got involved. <laughs> Rightio. So here's uh, a bit of um, a bit of action from a bar at Caulfield. By the look, from One Thousand Giggles, who got a bit of a crew together there in the bar to, to dedicate a song to Jamie. If the sound doesn't <laughs> work. If the sound doesn't work here, make sure, do yourself a favour and um, get out there and have a look at JT's tweet here. Let's see if this, do you know the sound works? It really needs a sound. It is only one Jamie Carr. In case you haven't guessed it, Jamie Carr just bought up 100 winners for the season and Brew looks ecstatic. Oh, thank God for that. Holy fuck. Okay. This is going down like a lead balloon, curls. What have you got? <laughs> the next one I quite enjoyed from uh, at Prince Rubiton. The next generation of racing goes wild as car comes back to scale. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually outstanding. Uh, that's a great photo. That was one of my favourites. Um, this The next one from Brian Martin scared me a little. Might be early, but don't tell me the Jamie Carr story isn't a movie in waiting. Did you, did you get the Peter Lawrence reply to that one, though? No, I'm not showing that. That was a ripper. <laughs> Who's playing Jamie Carr in the movie? Any thoughts? Sharon Stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Um... Who's playing Tony McAvoy? <laughs> that... Uh, I'm not sure if he's still alive. That Farley, Neil Farley, is it? You know, the comedian? No, the, the bloke off... Chris the, Chris the, Chris the big bloke off Jack Irish. The horseman off Jack Irish, the punter. You know? Oh, Roy Billings. Yeah, Roy. 
Okay. Oh, look, anyway, look, it's all good to be to tweet to be part of the, the win. Like, you, you, like, if you're not part of it, if you don't tweet about it. Prince um, Rubitons is the best by, by a long well, way. Well, yep. What else have you got, girls? I think, like, from an industry participant that probably overshot the runway, I thought that award went to Alex Donnelly for sure. Um, you can see the tweet there. The effects that Jamie Carr has had and will have on the hashtag horse racing industry will be proven in the next five to 20 years with a lot of young girls taking up riding to be the next Jamie Carr. <laughs> wow. Um, that's just... I hope Jamie saw that tweet. Just something. Give you a like or something. That's um, that's the Overshoot the Runway Award. That's, I, a, I don't know. <laughs> that's a stretch. At best, uh, aren't aren't most apprentices girls now anyway? I don't remember seeing a young male apprentice come through that I could bet on for a lot little like. Well, uh, they're they're around, Rich Jones. They're around, around, but there's more females than males. Incredibly sexist. It's just whoever's the best rider, you know. Does not matter if they're a girl or a guy? Well, Peter, how long did you like hover over a few, like sort of dust off the Twitter account and let one loose here for Jamie? <laughs> oh, to be honest, I couldn't tell you what the horse she won on was. I don't know what odds it paid. I've got no idea. Did not see a thing from Caulfield. I've got less interest than I do about caring for English football supporters. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll touch on them shortly. Um, last but not least, there's always, always, every time there's a death or a success there's always those types that try and place themselves in the story. We saw um, Galileo passed away, the horse, and the tributes that followed, and people taking photo, uh, posting photos of themselves with Galileo. Um, it's sto- Place Me in the Story Award for the Jamie Carr 100 goes to Quinny. That tweet is more about Quinny than what it is about Jamie, I reckon. To be fair, he looks good. He looks good in the photo. It's a good photo. <laughs> He's flying there, yeah. He's oh, looking yeah. real good there. Yeah. yeah. If, strong, I, if you had strong, that, Curly, the question jealous. is, if you had that photo with Jamie, what would you have done? Um, I'm saying hey. $1.03, $1. you tweet it. Hey, I'm going to start tweeting, placing myself in story tweets because they're outstanding. Um He's gone the double hashtag too and gone the tag as well. Um, <laughs> but real look at me vibes here. I know Jamie Carr sort of vibe about this. Um, outstanding self-placement in the story from Quinny. Really, I'm glad the intern picked this up because it was outstanding. We couldn't do the Galileo ones because there was at least 47,000 photos of people with Galileo <laughs> after the great horse passed over the weekend. So... Some good work from the intern there. Really enjoyed that. Um, well done. Some video, of his, I couldn't get the video to work. Some of his or her finest moments, but that's all right, girls. I'll edit the video and post, so it looks seamless. We'll just be talking about it, but it will be working okay. Um, excellent. 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 I'm glad that you mentioned the English footy fans too, uh, soccer fans, Pete, because one thing that that result did show is that they haven't evolved as a species. <laughs> the English. Um, so well, they the, have. They have. Well, they, they have. Not- they give, they give absolutely zero fucks. There's like 16,000 cases a day of COVID, 
They're, they're in the streets, Key and Coke, getting roared as they do it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It has gone backwards, but I think maybe in a good way. Lighting it's like a splits. really good time. They haven't, they haven't evolved at all. Like they're, they're, They still portray like cavemen behaviour, win or lose. <laughs> they were fighting each other before the game started. Um, you know, they're basically they're, they're, they've shipped all the convicts to the lucky country <laughs> and stayed home in their own filth. <laughs> But no wonder they're upset all the time. And have a look at the difference in the, the celebrations and the videos. What, what stood out to me was the was I wouldn't say they're pasty skin, but oh yeah, like, you know, it's certainly it's certainly there's certainly not the number of tan beautiful Italian women celebrating uh, another victory than compared to their English compatriots who, you know, live under like an overcast skies their entire life and just unfair so i think i enjoyed it um oh did you put a trigger warning on this video for anyone who suffers from a vitamin d deficiency (laughs) (laughs) which ironically is all four of us (laughs) yes and they even booed ash barty as well they cheered for the other sheila like i I don't think that's true i think that's that's narrative did any of you watch it I watched it. They, they, but my view was that they kind of roared the other girl in the second set because they paid their money and they wanted a third set. Yeah. That yeah, and sense. then they started fighting each other in the crowd. No, that wasn't it. Wimbledon is a different um, sort of demographic, I think, to the soccer. Yeah. You know? Okay. Shall we talk about Pakadali? Because I, I, I must say I'm not across this. I just saw Pakadali there on the run sheet. I don't know what's happened. Well, what's happened? curls... Kels touched on a point which just got me thinking and I think we should talk about it. Like, the industry has spent God knows how much cash on hashtag love the horse for a month and longer. Now, we're all... They're all, pro- like, retweeting and promoting that this horse, as a, as a veteran who raced his guts out for connections, is being sold instead of, re- like, rehomed, is the narrative, which is going to get a lot more attention than... Um, Retweeting hashtag love the horse inside the bubble. The people looking for something to pick apart in the industry will find this, especially when so many people are jumping over themselves to, to look like they're doing the right thing. Oh, um, yes. how, how isn't some of the the money that's spent on all the other narrative, like the money that Racing Victoria would have been paying the Herald Sun to put Jamie Carr on the front page? What, why wasn't some of that put into just <laughs> like just rehome Pakadali, like control the narrative, or maybe just maybe tax the fucking breeders enough so that these situations do not happen because this is poisonous for the industry we talk about the whip all day long no one cares this is poisonous this is a successful strong horse who who earned over half a million dollars in prize money raced on the big days and now it's just a shit look for the sport makes me cringe a lot lots of other stuff like the whips i couldn't care less this makes me cringe what do you guys think I heard of this is off the cuff. I haven't. I'd have to resource this, but I remember reading an article five or so years ago, maybe a bit longer, where this mayor, uh, this older mayor, had sired a couple of winners in Queensland, I think it was, and she'd been in the Hunter Valley somewhere, and her owner had just opened the gate and let her go and joined the Brumbies out the back in the hills or whatever, and then because she, uh, one of her offspring, had started winning, they had to go and try and find her. So that. <laughs> If that's representatives of what the breeders think of, you know, how much they love the horse, then... <laughs> yeah. 
Look, it's um, it's an interesting one. Like, uh, because in the complete reality of the industry, they are a commodity. Yep. They are bred, brought, raced, sold in whatever order. Bred first, I assume. <laughs> um, You'd hope so. You'd assume so. They're, they're a trading commodity. I mean, that's the that's the reality. And and I thought it was pretty ordinary. Some of some participants jumping on this and highlighting it, and some of the shit takes cracking, you know, cracks at Inglis, etc., etc. Yeah, you know, this shouldn't be. That's not it. Like, come on. Like, it's the reality of the racing industry yeah. and the breeding industry. And well, you buy a horse and you race it, and it doesn't win, so you sell it. Yeah, like, that's fair enough. But I'd... at the end, I know the end of life issue, right? The end of life or the end of career is an issue that doesn't want to be dealt with by the racing industry. They want to rehome their champions because we love winners. Well, I reckon rehoming champions exacerbates the problem mm. because we're putting all the emphasis and effort in, into the winners and we have a hall of fame, a living legends. Where do the dead ones go? Yeah, but like... Where do the retired ones go? Where does the maiden go? Where does Pacadale go? Because it can't jump. I've brought it as a hurdler or whatever because it's old, so I'm going to try and extend its racing career by trying to jump it and it can't jump, so where does it go? Yeah, but to your point, it's a nine-year-old horse. Like, they're entitled to sell it. It's a commodity. So they shouldn't be sort of tarnished for doing it. But there should just be a system where no one no one feels a need to become like a, a vigilante about it because they know that if it's not sold, it's then going to be taken care of it's and rehomed by it's the industry. Good, it's a very good point you make. The vigilante um, reaction is no good for the industry and no, not a good look for the industry at all. Self-interest dominates racing like nowhere else. Self-interest dominates everywhere, but the domination in racing is... Hmm. I watched a documentary last night about the Eastern Seaboard Current and where it ends. It ends in a little island on the southwest tip of Tasmania. Maybe we should just rehome all the horses there, just drop them off. Put them into the... Look, it's an uninhabited... It's an un... So the southeast, um, you know, the hot... You know, the sea, it's sort of, you know, the ocean has currents, the southeast current. It ends on this little island in southeast Tasmania. It's like uninhabited island. Yeah. Mate, we need to find a place for them to live. Well, there's no places. Where do you home them? Mate, we, we we literally, like, have... You know in the UK how they, they vaccinated, like, they vaccinated 35 million? That's the whole population here. We're enormous. The, the land mass here is enormous. There's plenty of places to put everything. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, but there's not because, like, you can't just put them in the middle of Alice, like in the middle of the Red Center. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'll tell you what. How about you give me forty-five million to to organise it? I'll spend thirty-five of it and keep ten. Hashtag self-interest. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Someone's going to get paid to do this. It's got to, but it's got to happen. It has to happen. Yeah. I mean, the crux the, the is that there are too many. There are far too many bred each year to that are either going to be raced or homed or whatever. That's yeah. That, yeah. The As usual, you're the smartest fun. one here. That that that's the we're dealing with like the result, not the cause. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Stop talking logical yeah. sense, Roden. That's enough of that. Um, but it does lead very well into a question from Jess Ryan Carey. What is the team's opinions on this new concept of micro shares in horses, e.g., ninety dollars for a zero point zero one percent share in a really well bred or trained horse? 
I think if they're, um, I think they're already pretty expensive, and the amount of paid promotion behind, I think what he's talking about, like no one's going to pay for that except the the people who pay for these horses. Um, I don't like it, off the top of my head, without researching it at all. But it just seems like a there's too much marketing in that thing. The people, yeah. the people promoting it aren't doing that for free. The people who promote that don't do like they don't get out of bed for free. It's an interesting one. There's obviously a market for it, and it's just whatever the it's whatever the market's prepared to pay. You see a similar thing with my runners. I only know this because there's a few in Queensland with about 800 owners, and they're all fully subscribed and. There's hundreds of them at the races when their horse runs. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't care. But my runners doesn't seem to drown like the promotion as much. So maybe my it's runners a... is already established, I suppose. But um... I think I think it'll 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 be successful in the short term, and then the like the people involved will go, yeah, I want to do it again in two years' time when they need another horse, or they'll say, nah, that was shit, and that'll be the the result. I suppose it's buyer beware and everything, isn't it? Like work out what you're paying for but some people just want to put a, some people just want to have a low cost entry to put then win a race and put a photo on their wall so and good on them and good on them yep. at least it's interest in the industry which at its yep. base point is probably more important than a lot of the other things happening at the moment um, this is more a punting question from Sam how far back do you consider a horse's form to be relevant if it has a number of peak figures over a certain track and distance, it starts 8 and 14, but it's now at start 25. Is that too long ago? It's not. It's Especially if it's track and distance or something like that, it's not too far back, but I try to focus on the last six or so. Yep. And, so, you know, and even stretch... I mean, horses have shorter preps than they used to in a lot of cases, um, in New South Wales anyway. But last last two preps is probably max. If you're going back three preps, you're probably stretching your friendship, unless it's had issues or something. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like look. If I if I was going to do the form like in a sort of automatic rope way, I'd just look at the best figure in the last six. Okay. I tend to just look at last ten as a holistic approach. That's just because it's got the punting form. You know, it's the model that they use on their base yeah. package and. It actually works quite well for what I've done so far in, in Perth, but that's obviously different because there's less tracks in WA um, as opposed to Victoria and New South Wales. So there's probably a little bit of depends on which state you're betting into more than anything. Okay, uh, Anthony's got a really good question. I think we will leave that to the previous show though because it's going to take a little bit more time. Uh, it's obviously a short, sharp session. We've had to fit it in on Tuesday morning. Um, so apologies, but hopefully you got something out of the, uh, the Q&A session here today uh, week ahead Mark we'll start with you for me yeah <laughs> sorry um, we're at uh, Canterbury on Wednesday tomorrow and Gosford on Thursday so pretty light midweek and then Rose Hill and Provincial on Saturday All right. Can- Canterbury what are we expecting up and in yeah uh, it's true true rail so look, it, uh, look it'll be on pace and or inside you can be outside leading probably okay 1-1 one, one maybe okay but um, midfield and off is going to be a worry alright um, we've got Royal Sandown rail out 14 metres on the hillside 
fucking scary. And I and I want to sell the joint. Honest to fucking god, you can't make this shit up. Um, then beautiful Bendigo on Thursday and Geelong Friday, and into Flemington and Maui on Saturday. Highly doubt we bet Maui. Highly doubt we bet at Chuka or Pakenham on Sunday. But expect to bet a heap through Ladbrokes Park, Sandown on Wednesday, Bendigo Thursday, Geelong Friday, and Royal Headquarters Flemington on Saturday. Bet, yeah. bet, bet. And kills. Um, yeah, grubbing our way around Doombin Wednesday, Ipswich Thursday. Uh, full race by race coverage on Saturday from Eagle Farm, as well as um, meetings at Toowoomba and the Gold Coast. Um, yeah. That's been the deep dive. See you later in the week for the previews. Bye for now. <laughs>